everybody. How you doing? Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the first ever episode of Cyclops Wheelbarrow. So Cyclops Wheelbarrow. Uh, oh, by the way, my name is Kathy Russell, and this is my show. And uh, uh, my guest today is going to be Miss Emily Moyer, and we'll get into that a little bit more in a moment here. But I wanted to give um, a quick backstory on what Cyclops Wheelbarrow means. So back in the 90s, back in the dark ages, I guess now, uh, I used to do a television show on Access Television. And it was a reality show before reality shows existed. And um, so my fake band name, when I didn't know, back when I used to see more bands than DJs, my fake band name was Cyclops Wheelbarrow. When I'd be like, I don't know who's playing Cyclops Wheelbarrow or something. So then when I made my television show on Access Television, I named it after the fake band name. And so this show was going to be named WrestleMania, but it was taken. So I went ahead and revived a classic. And so that is why this show is called Cyclops Wheelbarrow. So... Well, you're going to have to give me a minute to just like catch my breath here because with that declaration, you just completely restructured in my head why you are a part of my reality. When were you at Austin Access Television? 93, 94. Dang. And then, and then I got into DJing right. and, and, that, and the rave world swept me away. Wow. So, I mean, so much of what we see as like conspiracy pop culture today had its start at austin access television sure during that same period of time bill hicks alex jones yeah. and then freeman fly if i don't know if you know who freeman fly no is. i don't know who freeman fly is he's a little bit more in the like esoteric aspect of the conspiracy world but they all overlapped and you were kind of there around that same period of time maybe even a little bit earlier than than freeman was a little bit later but a little bit earlier and i had no idea about that i've known you for more than 20 years, and I had no idea. Yeah, I have all the episodes digitized now. It's a lot of antics. Uh, it was like a reality show, but I did skits and stuff as well, which we may I may work in some skits as the skits more evolved. Cause, yeah. But it's a matter of taking the skits that I did, the skits that we ran. Um, like we had one skit called Dead Girl. Yeah. And um, the song is, uh, she doesn't do tri- uh, flips, she doesn't do hops, she doesn't do much, she's dead, girl. Wow. And then it would cut to my friend Lee just laying on the ground. <laughs> a dead girl. And then I walk by, kick her. She just kind of slumps over. And then at the end, there's like a little xylophone that plays, like a little kid's So she was video. like the opposite of me because I do flips and hops, but I don't lay still much. Yes. She, she was the opposite <laughs> of you. She was dead girl. Uh-huh. Well, now, so I was trying to figure out how to translate that into audio. Um, yeah. Which I, but now I've kind of spoiled the joke. I've. I've buried the lead, as they say. But yeah. <laughs> who knows? But maybe that'll be our uh, cutaway and uh, for, for our sponsors. We'll just be dead girl each well, time or something. I learn something new every day, and you have been the provider of my learning today. So Well, outstanding. Today, <laughs> well, that's kind of what I want to do with this podcast anyway, is, you know, you learn a little bit before, uh, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a good time. Uh, you know, I plan on this being more like a talk show. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, the reason why Emily is here is because we're going to talk about conspiracies today. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but we're going to talk about, we're going to keep it, but we're going to keep it fun. I don't yeah. want to get too serious. And like, I do want to talk about QAnon a little bit. <laughs> okay, it's easy to keep that one fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I don't want to get too deep in that because right. I don't want to be just straight up promoting it, you know. Or, I, me either. So we're, we're on the same page on yes, that one. There yes. you go. 
right. So, uh, yeah, top of the hour, what I plan to do as well is we're going to talk about current events a little bit. It's a segment I'm going to call Stuff You Should Know. Um, I watch a lot of news. Um, I didn't used to when I was younger. This is a this is a change in Cyclops wheelbarrow. I'm um, I really enjoy current events and learning about current events, and I've really been getting in, in enjoying getting involved in civics. So I like to I watch a lot of news. So I want to talk about some things that are going on because I know a lot of my friends would prefer not to because it's stressful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I don't blame you. I I have to take breaks. Yeah, I find that I have to take breaks sometimes. I'm watching too much news and it's just stressing me out. So a uh, couple things that are going on right now in the world. This will uh, air September first, um, but uh, right now we are currently. Uh, getting out of Af- Afghanistan, um, that is a major thing that you should know. It's a, it's very controversial right now because we uh, pulled our troops out before we pulled out like the interpreters mm-hmm. and a lot of the people that helped us out while, uh, while we were there. And we're talking thousands of people. And so now that the Taliban has come back in and seems to be taking control, um, it's a mad dash to try to get all those all those interpreters and all them get out of there. And for a while, it was on the Hill that they were even talking about if we were going to get them out of mm-hmm. there. And a lot of the advocates for um, for the soldiers and for the troops uh, were saying, "No, we these these people fight, fought right along with us. We need to we need to get them out." So they were thinking about taking them over to Guam. They're still trying to figure out where they're going to put them, you know, if they're going to come here to the States or if they're going to take them to another country. So that's a very big thing going on right now. And um, another big thing of stuff you should know, because we're in Austin, Texas, is uh, currently, um, and and Emily doesn't know about this, so this is uh, very informative for you too. So you'll be learning more today as well. So what's going on is is, um, because he who shall not be named um, said that uh, the election was rigged, And so uh, all across America, all the Republicans are passing these laws to make voting tougher. Okay. They're doing a lot of voting restrictions, but it seems to be going along the lines of gerrymandering. It seems to be pointing out, uh, leaving out minority areas a lot. It's in the name of uh, election security, but really it's, 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 it's a power grab. That's, that's the overall sentiment. And, and so they can do it because, you know, on, yes, on a national level, um, Democrats had more votes. But if, when you get down to your local legislation, especially Texas, it's red. It's red all the mm-hmm. way down. So even though we met, even though, well, Texas, our, our representatives are red too up on the Hill. Right now, uh, it hasn't gone through yet. I think it has to pass through the Senate. See, here I am wanting to share the news, and I don't know entirely what I'm talking about. But nobody does. Like, I think that the most honest position anyone can take is, "I'm trying to make sense of this." You probably are too. Let's yes. try and make sense of it together. That and what can I do? You know, what yeah. can I, what can I do about it? You know, uh, the reason why I bring this stuff up is because I feel like. Paying attention is makes the difference. That's that's the biggest thing for me mm-hmm. that, that got me more involved in civics and and caring more about you know one is one is the realization now that I'm older like wow stuff that happens up there is affecting my life. There's things that affect our lives every day, um, inflation and things like that that. You know, when I was younger, I didn't think about those things, but now yeah. I do. But really, the best way that I have found to to learn all this stuff is just pay attention. 
Yeah. Um, so just quickly, just back to what you said about Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this is it's a shit show of colossal proportions. No matter what side or position you take on this, like this is just you know a mess. Um, the only thing I'll say about it is war is always a racket. And yeah. They make money on the way in. They make money while they're there, and then they use the getting out as the setup for the next round that they'll make money on. And after this disastrous crap show, people are going to be a lot more hesitant to pull out of other places where we illegally have a military stronghold. Right. Right. So I think that's probably like a lot of behind some of the mess we see here. See, we shouldn't do this. We should always stay everywhere forever. <laughs> right. Right. That kind of thing. America. Yeah. And then as oh, far yeah. as the, the Texas local stuff, um, you know, I used to pay attention like very very deeply to local politics it's it's difficult even when i when i want to i find myself watching the spectrum channel the <laughs> number three okay. the default channel it puts yeah. you on when you when you when you just turn on the thing because it actually tells me local news you know like yeah. i actually find out about the controversy that uh whether they're gonna have booze at zilker park or not you know i'm like yeah Wait, Did, i care about that so i just relocated <laughs> back here i've lived here a couple times before but yeah. I just moved back here from California and I used to be deeply political and while some people would still consider a part of what my work is is that I comment on politics I'm not mm, participating in the political process anymore I removed myself from that so are you saying that you don't vote I don't vote you don't vote yeah the last time I voted was for Barack Obama in 2008 oh okay and um, I voted for him I was there on inauguration day in Washington DC oh you were yeah how about that and I felt I had been in South Africa just prior to that with my family um, both my sister and my father have PhDs in African studies, and they did their research all in South Africa. So, um, and they're you know I've been deeply immersed in those kinds of ideas and and issues of racial equality and all that kind of stuff yeah. for much of my life. Um, even though that's not my particular focus on the things that I'm interested in, I've been surrounded by that. And we had been in South Africa, and I looked at the people's I looked in the people's eyes and they looked at us with such hope because we had you know elected a president that was going to bring some form of like equality not just to the United States maybe but in, in the world right That's yeah that the, was that really was emotional. the energy mm -hmm. and when I got back to the United States my sister was living in Washington DC at the time and I went to stay with her for a couple of days and we went on inauguration day and there was so much energy in the streets like it was like the best rave you ever went to, right? Yeah. Where there's that indescribable, like hard to explain quality, but it's so thick and you feel it and it's amazing, right? And then I'd say within just a few weeks of his being inaugurated, like I, the disappointments started to come. And um, within, you know, maybe six to eight weeks after he was inaugurated, I realized I had been fooled. And I started doing deep, deep research into the way the political system really works. Um, and uh, I, 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 w I spent a little bit of time exploring libertarianism. Um, but yeah. I'd say within six months. To me, to me, from the more that I learn about libertarianism, it seems show. more like it seems more like anarchist yeah. to me. There was no, well, I am an anarchist, but people misunderstand what anarchist what anarchy is. Okay, what's anarchy? So let me just let, let me just finish what, what I was going to oh, say yes, about that. So republicanism, being a republican, was never for me. So I just skipped right over that and looked at libertarianism. And while I thought like Ron Paul and some others had some interesting things to say, yeah, sure, I didn't. It, it didn't ultimately sell me that like that was a party I wanted to join or a vote I wanted to make. And within six months of Obama's inauguration, I had gone all the way and I was an anarchist. And people misunderstand. They think of anarchy as being like um, 
uh, like, you know, Molotov cocktails thrown in the street, no rules, everything wild, all that kind of stuff. Right. It got, well, it's <clears throat> it's because of the punk rock age. Right. It got, it got kind of entwined with entwined. punk rock. Yeah. And the, the, the definition of the word actually means without rulers, not without rules. So without a, cla- a managerial class above you that tells you what to do but doesn't obey the rules themselves. Right. And so I, the way I see anarchy, I actually call myself a voluntarist because when I say... Uh, that I'm a voluntarist, people don't know what that is. And so then I can explain it to them and they've never heard it before, but they have a preloaded idea of what an anarchist is. Right. But they're actually the same thing. So a voluntarist or an anarchist would be someone who believes that all interactions between human beings should be voluntary, that no one should be coerced into doing something that they don't want to do. And I deeply believe that. Um, And so I observe the political scenario and I have opinions and thoughts about it. But I don't participate in it because in my head, like, you know, if you participate in the system, you're ultimately signing on to whatever the outcome of it is. And it's never the outcome we want. <laughs> it's not. And I'm and I'm and I'm dealing with that. But I think at the end of the day, I'm still an optimist. I yeah. still I still believe that we can make a difference. Yeah, I'm just an optimist. So I'm going to keep I'm going to keep on the good fight. Well, I'll keep on the good fight for both of us. <laughs> well, you know, I'm an optimist, too. I just see. The future, that optimistic future is outside of the political system. I see. But I pay attention to everything that's going on. I'm not one of these people who's just like, uh, I don't want to know and I'm going to go hide. I pay attention and I choose to abstain, to withhold from participating because I think it's a corrupt, un- unjust system. Well, I'm proud of you for paying attention. <laughs> even if you're not, even if you're not, even if you're not a voter. I encourage you to vote. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to mom, mom you for just a moment <laughs> that I encourage you to vote. But um, we'll leave it at that. Sounds good. Yeah. So anyway, the Texas legislature, they are trying to pass the laws to make voting more difficult. And mm-hmm. and there and there's and there's ridiculous stuff in there. Like you can't give uh, a bottle of water to somebody yeah, standing ridiculous. in line for. It's just it's just all these restrictions just to make it more difficult. Um, that shit's ridiculous. So <laughs> what happened is so the so the Texas Democrats were trying to avoid that happening. So they tried to do a filibuster. And uh, this one lady stayed up all night, and, it, that did, and they eventually voted anyway. So then all the Texas Democrats took off to Washington, and they were there for two weeks, I think. Like, two, oh, three weeks. They were there for three weeks, and uh, they eventually said they were going to arrest them if they didn't come back. Yeah. So they came back, and then so it's I'm aware of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it's passed so far, but yeah. um, it's uh, but that's probably the biggest uh, in terms of activism. The biggest issue right now is all the restrictive voting rights uh, legislation that's being passed right now. Um, there's lots of uh, Beto, uh, Beto O'Rourke has led some um, protests here. They had one recently where they walked all the way from Georgetown, going all the way downtown. That was a couple weeks ago. I actually saw him go past. That was cool. That's cool. So that's some things you should know. Now, on the fun news, uh, Miss Madonna, <laughs> she turned 63 this week. She yeah. looks good. But I mean, oh, Madonna. she looks like she's, I mean, she's, her face is kind of unrecognizable now. Like it's, she is fillered to the, for the gods. But I mean, you know, you got the money. Good for you. So Madonna, it's, uh, so it's, I, I wore my Madonna shirt. Are you a night. fan? You're a Madonna fan? Well, I have like, just like almost everything else now I'm conflicted, right? Like, because she, like, I definitely loved her when I was a kid. Like, I used to imitate all the dance moves from her videos and stuff like that. What is your favorite Madonna era? 
Oh God. Okay, so I think the early Madonna, like eighty, like between like eighty one and eighty four, mm. and then uh, the like a prayer, like eighty nine, ninety. Really, I'm a Vogue Madonna era. Oh, I love like Vogue. I think is her defining statement. And express yourself. Yeah. That era is probably my. That's favorite. the eighty nine, ninety time. Mm-hmm. So like you know the the um, Blonde Ambition tour and all that yes, kind of stuff. Yes. That was yeah. So I like those periods the best. I think. Um, but she was definitely like the first mm, pop star or like really famous person that I was kind of taken with as a kid, right? Where I was like, oh, wow, what is this, right? She was so left field and was so original. I, I remember when I saw her on yep. American Bandstand and mm-hmm. was just blown away. She was so foreign for my suburban world, yeah. you know, that it just, you know, I wasn't, a, I was, I, I wasn't a huge fan then, but I just remember, I remember seeing her on American Bandstand and just being completely hypnotized because she was so different yeah i was i just thought she was cool and i lived in la and so it wasn't like i didn't see other weird stuff right in fact like where she got her famed rubber black rubber bracelets was from a store on melrose in los angeles oh really whatever so like there's lots of that kind of stuff in la but there was just truly something different and unique about her that like that really grabbed my attention and you know we've all watched her you know triumphs and struggles and whatever over the years and, you know, my sort of awareness is about, I mean, here's the issue. Like, we live in an era where there really are no heroes anymore. Like, everybody has a side of them that when you look deeply into it, you're like, ooh, what the fuck is that? Right? Yeah, I've kind of gotten, I've met a lot, I'm, I'm fortunate and driven enough that I've met a, a lot of my heroes. Yeah. But there's some that I don't want to get to oh, know yeah. because I don't want them to I don't want to blow the image that right. of what about them inspires me. Yeah, I mean, I, ha- I have a, I, I have a viewpoint on heroes, especially after meeting my heroes and having so many let me down. Mm-hmm. You know that. I mean, they're they're all people. You know. Yeah. Well, my saying is everybody gets diarrhea. You know. So even the most. <laughs> <laughs> so right? if you ever get intimidated by somebody, just picture them with horrible, terrible diarrhea. And then you'll instantly feel like level, like, oh, level, it's yes. leveled, right? So with her, it's even J Lo. Like obviously, as her career progressed, she started becoming like more political and having things to say about what's going on in the world, and some of that can be really good. And then that also opens up the door for like a lot of um, uh, contradiction or conflict, like conflicting interests and different things. You know, yeah, people say one thing, they do another. Right. And so you start to look at somebody and it's like, okay, that's interesting. That's weird. But what's happened for her in recent years to me is just like this weird attempt to preserve like a youth and a body that's just starting to look really funny. I agree. And the last picture somebody showed me of her, like from an Instagram from like a month ago, like it was like a combination between like a cyborg and Kim Kardashian. She it's it well and I think she I think she dresses completely covered up because her from working out I, I mean I remember seeing a, a picture from when she was doing the Swept Away movie, the the where the Castaway movie. Mm-hmm. I never saw it. I do like some Madonna movies though. Oh, she's been in some great movies. Yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, League of Their Own. That was great. That, she was good in that. Desperately yeah. Seeking Susan was great. Like, yeah. she's been in some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind her movies. Yeah, but um, she, it, it's you know like literally the thing that I was last shown. I wasn't sure it wasn't CGI. It just looked so like over the top like. Talk, like beyond touched up like, oh that's what you're saying it looked like almost like cgi 
And so she doesn't. Well, look, she doesn't even look like herself. They touch it. They yeah. touch it up so much. Yeah, it's, it's like Kim Kardashian CGI. Or something. Yeah, I kind of. I, I feel the same way. I, I. It's been really interesting watching her journey because. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing her now that she's getting older, but yes, I see that too. Where this, there is some clinging to the youth thing that I that I would like to see her grow old gracefully a little bit right. better than this clinging to the yeah, trying to stay young. It's just weird at this point. Yeah, yeah, just weird. Like there's no like, oh well, that's kind of cool. No, it's just weird at this point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been more interesting if she's like, you know what? I decided I'm a giraffe, so I'll be a CGI giraffe instead of trying to look like a 25-year-old girl. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like a trans giraffe or something yes. like that? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> she got a bunch of kids, too. she got like six kids now. Yeah, she has a lot of kids. Um, and uh, her daughter's beautiful. Like the first, the original. The Lords, Lourdes, I believe. Lourdes, yes. yeah. She's beautiful. Yeah. Right? But, um, you know, it's she's one of, like... I have lots to say about lots of people because I do a lot of deep research and a lot of I'm pretty well studied in mind control and in esoterics and occult symbolism and all that kind of stuff. And so she's definitely a part of that. And inside there, there is a person. And so like I try and balance my critique, my critique of people with the fact that like I also really just damn, I like some of her music and like some of them songs make me want to dance. Yes. Right. And that's worth something, too. And she's a person and she has a family and and everyone is. Music makes the people come together, you know. It does. That's Mm -hmm. a good song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I was going to double back just for a second and talk about heroes. I have a philosophy that our heroes are really just a mirror of how we see ourselves in our purest form. In yeah. the, like in the best that we can be, we see that's how we I think I think that 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 we that we as people project that onto our heroes. Yeah. And it's that's bitten me in the butt sometimes where I've 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 where I realized I've projected too much on this person that I look up to. Mm-hmm. And they're just a human. So that's why I don't want to meet some of my heroes. I want them to remain. I understand the symbol that they, what they do for me and how they inspire me and inspire my, my projects and artwork and things that I do. Um, that I just, yeah, I want to keep it that way. And yeah, yeah. I like, want to, but I, I still want a picture, right? It's like the first couple <laughs> times you like hang out with one of your favorite DJs. After, like afterwards it's always like that was fucking weird at a certain point like I didn't really want to anymore I just chose to like live in blind ignorance but enjoy the music right because uh, like I definitely had some of those weird experiences where you're like this is like really bizarre <laughs> yeah hurt, right and, and but but I'm sure that I have things I do that are really bizarre that if people who listen to my podcast knew they'd be like what the fuck <laughs> right and you probably as well like you know you're even though it's a more localized scene here, like you've been a big fish in the small pond of Austin for a long time, right? And that's, uh, you know, but every time you go out, you have to be aware of the fact that people are being affected by the way you behave. Oh, I very much not do. Anonymous, yeah. Right? Yeah. I very much so, do. Yeah. I, I really, I really try to, of what fans I do have, I really try to show true appreciation. Yeah. And I, and I really try to be what my heroes weren't for me. You know, I have to tell you, like, you're one of the most loved people that I've ever known. So when I used to live here back in the late 90s and early 2000s, I, I worked in party promotion here, and I even did through a few of my own, and people loved you then. Like, I knew people who, like, they didn't care about whoever the headliner was at the party. They were coming to see you, and that still exists. Like, I just threw a party here a few weeks ago. It's my first time throwing a party in Austin in 
15 years or 14 years or something like that. And there were people that came up to the front and were like, I'm here to see Kathy Russell. When does she play? Right. And we weren't having headliners. We were just having locals. But that like drive and that love and that, you know, energy for you has lasted a really long time. That That's uncommon. Well, thank you. Yeah. So. Thank you. Yeah. You make people feel special, though, because you pay attention to them. You remember their names. You know, you, Thank give, you. Them, I try to. you give them more than just the time of day. You'll also tell them the weather. And I think people appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a there was a sweet gal at, at the event that I played at for you that was kind of bogarting me a little bit. <laughs> I, like, I kept trying to kind of like turn to the people that I came with because I didn't want to be because I wanted to include them in the conversation and I kept trying to like turn my body to include them in the conversation and then she just kept right back on me and then telling me more and more like intimate things that you don't you know that you don't open up to the general public you know that it's like wow she's really opening up to me right now all right well I think it's uh, like I've, I've noticed a couple I've been out a few times here in Austin since I arrived and there's like some people seem socially uncomfortable from having been locked up for oh i've totally got that and so some people are almost non not talking at all and then others like they have like millions of words that have been held hostage inside of their head or their body for a year and a half that they're just like if you open the door just the flood you know the floodgate is open right it's like a jet stream or a fire hose right well i think that's why podcasts are going through such a renaissance right now is in the time of covid um is because i think that we're all craving uh socialization we're all craving um conversation and we're not getting that so much so i i listen to podcasts sometimes where i mean like i'll drift in and drift out you know uh while while i listen to it but uh even if they're just kind of uh just shooting the shit you know like sometimes i just i just like to listen if i agree with their opinions and stuff or sometimes i don't but it's i learned something anyway yeah so um emily is on my show um one because we are old friends we've been friends for about 20 years now yeah um we met um through events i dj and do events and uh emily did did events and she is a fantastic dancer thank you (laughs) and um emily and i met through doing events Mostly, I think we met through uh, my ex-boyfriend, Brad, uh, who ran a laser light company. First time I really remember interacting with you was when uh, Brad threw House of Dreams. Yeah. That was what? uh, No, 2000. 2001. 2001, yeah. And that was was a, a very trials and tribulations event. They were... Uh, the security staff at that was uh, uh, not letting people in. They were confiscating drugs that they got from people in the crowd, uh, or or they were uh, letting them in the back door if they gave them the, if they gave them drugs or money. Yeah. Um, so that was really uh, that was a really tense time. But I just remember that's the first significant memory that I have of you is talking to you and a guy named James Neal. Yeah. So that's I think how like I first started really conversing with you. So I was actually working in the front door with James and do click doing the clicker yes and at a certain point the entire building was full but we were only like like 700 people on my clicker but the building was like full like how is that possible and that was when it became clear that they, people were being let inside and back doors and and things like that so it was such an interesting night because there was so much tra- like kind of trauma like yeah. emotional trauma and then all of this like controversy and it was also probably one of the best parties that ever was at the Austin City Music Hall in terms of like the quality of the event and the experiences people had there. Right. right? In ter- people who are able to get into the party. And it's kind of like 
uh, it was a, that party was, I think, really a turning point for the scene here as well, too. I think it was really like that was the height moment uh, to a certain extent. And then things began to become difficult after that because 2001 was really when the party scene started to get cracked down upon. Yeah, the, it was it was weird. Uh, so those of you that don't know, unfortunately, Brad passed away that that later that year. And I think that I think the, the stress of doing House of Dreams was one of the things that contributed to his demise. Um, he unfortunately killed himself, um, mm. uh, but he had issues with uh, with schizophrenia. Um, he had some mental health issues that were going unaddressed. So, I mean, that was the big outlier. Instead, he was instead of taking the medication that the you know that the doctors were prescribing for him, he was self medicating with with ketamine, um, which I think either made it worse or brought out a lot of the a, a lot of the the mental health uh, issues that he struggled with. Yeah. But it was really it, it was an interesting time. Um, not fun, but interesting that because that was right when they passed um, something called the called the Rave Act, mm -hmm. which actually uh, Biden passed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that was Biden's baby, and the way he tricked that because they had been trying to pass that for a while, but they were having trouble doing it. And the way he was able to get it through was that he attached it to the Amber Alert bill. Yes, and so nobody's going to vote no on helping kidnapped children, right? right? And so that's how they slid it through, but like coincidentally many years later like the person who was actually like the ceo of amber alert and very very <coughs> high up and involved in that company was actually arrested for child trafficking from haiti really right so like and it's so it's one of these kinds of like the you know the she, uh, the wolf guarding the hen house kind of scenario right and so like that whole scenario is mired in all kinds of controversy that most people from the party scene are not aware of Really? Yeah. So um, so what the Rave Act said was it was kind of built on top of um, what was called the Crack House Law. Um, and the Crack House Law they passed in, I think, 2000. It was like the year before, not too long before. Um, and uh, basically it said that you can't throw an event uh, or you can't. Uh, it was actually it was more towards people operating crack houses that you could not operate or or lease a venue where drugs are being sold. Mm -hmm. So if they busted people selling drugs on the property, you could be held responsible if it's your property. Yeah, and and that was effective. That was um, they also started uh, they also started rave task force at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, they had a really big show in Houston uh, called Transit, mm -hmm. and that was on Dateline, where they had, um, uh, you know, 14-year-old girls go in, and they were being hit up for Molly, and, well, I guess they didn't even call it Molly then, but they were being, anyway, the point is, they got approached for drugs left and right, and that put they put that on de Dateline, and look what's happening to your children. So the whole, so the week that they passed this Rave Act, they also had the task forces, and they also had that on Dateline. Mm -hmm. So it was a cross attack so what the rave act did that intensified the crack house law was the rave act um set it so that uh it, so that it expanded it to that you didn't even have to know yeah that somebody was 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 selling drugs on your property and this could actually be expanded to your house yeah from my understanding yeah the the rave act which is still in effect um, yeah, I mean, I think some other things have changed that have made it not so potent. I think that, like, they needed, and we can get into this another time, because I, I can go pretty deep into the research on this and what, what happened and why, because um, I did a lot of the research on this, but they needed to bring it in. They needed to stop that, the development of that scene immediately and send it in another direction. 
and um, and that that worked for that. But you know, it didn't last very long. People started finding ways to do events and whatnot. But the it worked for a while. It, worked, it, it totally killed the scene. It, it killed it and it changed it. The direction that the scene went after that was a very different direction than it had been going prior to that. Yeah, that's true. In what ways do you feel that that that, that it's different? Um, the in terms of the commercialization, yeah, the way that it's commercialized, yeah, and then some of the way that certain like ideas and sounds are being pushed. And, oh, I totally agree and, with that. And other sounds and ideas are being suppressed, um, and um, also like where the money comes from for the events. And, and this is like this is a rabbit hole that's super deep, and maybe it's an interesting conversation to have. Um, some other time but you know the dance music scene is not immune to the same problems that the hip-hop scene and the punk scene and all the other things have had in terms of you know agency involvement or corporate involvement in directing the direct directing sure. where it'll go sure right? so yeah yeah absolutely when i say agency i don't mean like artist agency i mean intelligence agency <laughs> gotcha 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 yeah so um you do a show uh that's called conspiracy cocktails well right? conspiracy cocktails one event i do so i have i have i have a variety of podcasts and show concepts and stuff that i do so that's why i got her so she, so she could uh, bail me out if i got uh, <laughs> if i started if i started flailing about i knew i had an experienced podcaster with me you're doing a great job well thank you very much so i started back in 2016 on a, t a show called off planet radio um, uh, with my friend and former co-host Randy Moggins um, and uh, I was with him for about four years and you can find all of the work that I did while with him uh, we were podcast partners <laughs> but you can find all that work on the Off Planet Media YouTube channel Off Planet is one word it's a stylistic one word um, and then about a year and a half or two years ago I went off kind of more on my own I work with a variety of other people in collaborations my YouTube channel is just my name Emily Moyer um, and uh, M-O-Y-E-R M-O-Y-E-R and I have a variety of different show concepts that I do but most of my material is centered around um, metaphysics mind control I've done deep research into mind control things like MKUltra and whatnot um, uh, health holistic healing conspiracy black projects parapolitics and I guess what I'm becoming maybe most known for, known for is sort of a topic that's referred to as synchro mysticism or okay. synchro conspirituality or something like that. What is that? So it's this idea, it's kind of like, it's looking at the things that happen in the world with the awareness and understanding of like deep research into many topics, including spirituality, mythology, history, politics, conspiracy, all these kinds of things, and then looking at the way that they align. So it's kind of like the underlying interconnectedness of all things, and you'll begin to find cycles and patterns. Like I'm to the place now where like when I see one like one or two things, I automatically know what the other three, four, five, and six things I'm going to see that come along with it are. Like, like, like you mean like coincidences? So I'd say like coincidences are what they would like us to believe that it is, but what the truth is... Who is, is they? Um, people who like are just better masters at understanding this reality. It doesn't even necessarily have to be nefarious, right? But if you are, if you know that there's a predictive pattern to the universe, like an underlying order of things, and you can use that to monetize or to gain power or influence or whatever, well, you're probably not going to go telling people what your trade secrets are, right? You know, because that okay. sort of takes away the opportunity for you to, to benefit from them. 
Um, and so there's, you know, synchronicity is a real thing. It's actually, you know, a natural part of the universe that has been used in intelligence tactics and in, you know, advertising and all of this kind of stuff, right? And um, things align in a way that um, can be magical for the individual as well, right? It can also be controlling, like there's a synthetic type of this synchronicity that gets you to buy shit. Right. And then there's another type of this. And I'm sure you're familiar with this, where it's kind of like one thing is leading you to the next and to the next and to the next. And that's sort of how you know you're on the right path in life. For oh, yeah. So like there's like a false version of that. And then there's a real version of that. And then there's this really interesting place in between where those two interact with each other. Now, what does that say about free will, though? Because, I mean, if I I mean, if everything is 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 pre uh, dis predisposed uh, patterns then does that not leave room for free will so the pattern might be like set kind of set right but it doesn't like it's not exact right and so like let's just say the pattern predicted that you were going to go to the mexican restaurant that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to predict whether you order tacos or enchiladas okay right and so it's kind of like you know maybe the the book that you are on the shelf is predictable but not which page in the book you are okay or which word on the page Right. And, though, and there's a vast space in there for like a very unique dance. Well, that's interesting you bring that up because I try to make it to all my appointments and to my obligations because I feel like I've had that happen where maybe like I wasn't going to maybe that day I wasn't feeling well and I wasn't going to go on to work. But then I went into work and then I ended up, you, you know, talking to somebody on the phone that, that changed my perspective or made me learn about something some new tool that i was wanting to learn about you know um and then because that happened this other thing happened and that there's a that there's a flow to the universe that i i feel um and i feel it's a 50 50 free will and some predisposed um yeah like we live in a multiverse i think like we don't live in just like a simple like if people are familiar with string theory or the concept of multiverse or whatnot with every decision you make another reality splits off Okay. Right? And so like decisions like, you know, like some some may be more significant than others, but every time you're at a choice point that sort of veers you off in a new direction, right? And so, I mean, how everybody's had it where like they didn't I mean, I was a gymnast, right? And sometimes I'd get really nervous and I didn't want to compete and I'd like be throwing up and I'd be wanting to try and get out of it somehow and then I'd have my best meet. Yeah. Right? Or, or or you know, that kind of thing and that changes the course of your life. Right. So these things are meaningful in a way that that is much more, much more dense than what we're aware of. Like there's a lot more behind these meaningful experiences in our life than just like, wow, that, what a coincidence that this happened and it was so wonderful. Like, it, you know, there, it, like our our choices and our life and whatnot, it's deeply meaningful on many levels. Not, you know, and unfortunately, I think we've. Um, been convinced that like we're all pretty mundane and we're just doing standard stuff right and like choices don't matter that much and whatnot and, and it's not true yeah yeah so um you you talk about um uh on one of your podcasts you talk about um something called playing the glass bead game yeah tell me more about that so, i got I, I do want to i did try to do some research on it that it has something to do with herman hess yes okay and uh, so uh, that's as far as I got. I, well, I got something about interconnectedness of things, mm -hmm. something about a glass bead on a, in your tapestry, something about that. 
that's <laughs> that's as far as I got. So, what is playing the glass bead game? So, it is a reference to the um, book "The Glass Bead Game" by Herman Hesse. Okay. And the glass bead, the book is really about these um, talented youngsters that were taken away uh, to sort of a special school during a time when the culture had become incredibly decadent and sort of like a garbage culture, like a TMZ culture, but uh, you know, right, like a little different than the reality we live in now. And these uh, kids, through their specialization in certain things, but also their general knowledge of a very broad array of other things, were able to synthesize something meaningful out of a garbage culture. Right, like that's the basic, that's the way we're interpreting it. There's many other interpretations of this. Um, but this came along, so I have a podcast partner for that show whose name is Michael Wan. He's also into synchromysticism and alchemy and whatnot. His uh, YouTube channel is Susquehanna Alchemy. And we started- Say that three times fast. <laughs> we started doing shows together about the time that the lockdown started. Okay. And we started with a show called Project Kids, which still runs once a month, but weekly we do what we call playing the glass bead game. And it's basically um, a back and forth, almost like a tennis match or a ping pong match between Michael and I, where we're basically demonstrating the way everything connects to everything else and the way that you can follow synchronicity through a tunnel that seems like, wow, this doesn't make sense, but on the other end of it, you actually seem to have a solution to a problem that the steps, like how one would seem to get there, like that wouldn't seem logical, okay. right? But then in hindsight, you huh. saw, it's kind of like beating a necklace. Right, or there's an ancient spiritual concept called the Indra's net of jewels, and I suggest, suggest people look that up, where like the each bead on the net of jewels, in every bead you can see the reflection of all the others. So you are a reflection of me, and I could probably, like if you sort of started to play with me a little bit, and even sometimes when I've hung out with you since I've been back here, I don't always make a big deal out of it because it leads to having to explain a lot of things, but you will play into my daily glass bead game. Oh. Like there could be something that like I never think about or talk about that Laura and I were talking about right before I left to come see you, and then you're talking about that. And it's not anything you and I've ever talked about. It's not in the news. You'd have no way of knowing that we were just talking about it. Yeah. But it's a synchronization. It's basically, right, like it's a synchronization of things that are meaningful. Okay. It isn't just like, yeah, we all showed up at, at you know the concert because we all had tickets. Not it has to be like a more bizarre way that you sort of got there in some in some ways. But it's a it's kind of when when you're actively playing it, you're just doing like the next thing that you're sort of like synchronization or your following of meaningful coincidences. A synchronicity be, could be considered a coincidence that has more meaning than you ran into your neighbor at the market. Okay. Right? And you begin to follow these things and they multiply. And as you experience them and then you talk about them. So like I'll talk about something that happened to me. And like literally while somebody is listening to the podcast of me talking about what happened to me, it will happen to them while they're listening. Mm. Right? Or, you know, things like that. And it, it, But sometimes they're deeply meaningful things. And so we do this back and forth and we've uncovered a lot of information about the way reality is constructed. The way data is arranged in this realm to create basically like the sort of synth sort of synthesis of of nature and simulation that we live in. Okay, talking about metaphysics as well. Um, there's been times that I've hung out with you where um, where ob uh, like objects and materials can be positively charged. Mm -hmm. Um, like I think one time you were explaining to me that that water can be positively charged. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me more about that? Because I found that really interesting. So, like, people can you can go and look at Emoto's water experiments, and that's like where you write, like, you put bo a bottle of water 
you know, with something nice written on it and a bottle of water with something not nice written on it. And then you, if you can like freeze it and different, like the one that has something nice written on it will have like a beautiful shape. And the one that has something not nice or discordant written on it won't. You can look at things like that. Or are you familiar with cymatics? No, I'm not. What's that? Okay. So cymatics is like, you can see, if you go watch a video on cymatics on YouTube, you'll get like a plate that has some like sand or some like salt or something on it. And then there'll be like a vibration or a sound, music played. And if the music is harmonious, right, it will make a beautiful geometric pattern. And if it's discordant, it'll just splash it all over the place. Oh, wow. Right. And water is like the, like, like water is life, right? Like our thoughts are recorded in the water right like it's very it flows like consciousness like rivers are really important to the flow of time and to what happens in our world because they move through these places where people live and all of the collective thoughts and ideas and feelings of the people who enjoy them in nature or throw their garbage in them or whatever people do with these bodies of water that move through the places we live is recorded there and then fed back to us you know with our pop culture or our politics or all the other things that we complain about right and so the cleanliness of our the purification of our thoughts and i don't mean that in like a religious sense i'm not a religious person right mm -hmm. but really think about the things you think right and the things you say and the things you put energy into because it's not just your phone that's recording them it's the water right and the water is going to flow and people are going to drink it and that that's passed on to them like there's no part of us or of nature that isn't connected to everybody else and everything else around us and so water is like a great recorder of that and you can do things like there's energy tools that you can put like near or on or in your water or even crystals or whatnot that will structure the water in a way that is more beneficial or less beneficial. There's different qualities of water, like distilled water can do certain things. Purified spring water is a little different. Um, well, I know they have alkaline water. Alkaline water. There's 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 reverse off. There's all these different things you can do with water, and it's sometimes a different answer for everybody. But it's one of the most interesting things to research um, is is water, and it's it's yeah. So does this mean that you do something with your water before you drink it? I do. You do? Yeah, I've done different things over time. Um, my, my favorite way to drink water really is distilled water. Um, that, yeah. And I put shungite in it. What's shungite? Shungite is a, um, like it's a stone from Siberia that was used. You're a stone from Siberia. I am a stone. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so it was used. It was like really helpful in the cleanup of Chernobyl. So it like can pull, like it really is good at like pulling out the impurities, the radiation and things. But I used to have a little stone that I wore also um, that was a piece of shungite. And it like is good for dealing with like that extra magnetic frequency, EMF frequencies that some people are sensitive to and whatnot. But it's a very purifying stone. Um, and it's really only true shungite is found in Siberia. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So Emily is wearing something around her neck. I'm, I'm also wearing one as well. Um, it was a gift from, uh, how do you pronounce the name? Mis Misaki Miyagawa. Mm -hmm. His, um, he's an artist. His, it goes by the name Akaida. And he's also a DJ. He played at our, at our last little he event. He did. He and loves some six block. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he, um, he's, he's, he's an, he does like a organite pyramids, powered pyramids that he then runs frequencies through using, um, people are familiar with Raymond Reif. Um, he was like a, a guy who used frequencies to heal like, you know, health issues and different kinds of stuff. And you can actually run this through his pyramids to amplify it. 
Um, but uh, these that he these necklaces that we're wearing these are tensor rings. Okay. And it's basically like a copper wiring that is wrapped in proportion with like the Fibonacci sequence or the golden mean. Okay. That creates an energy field of protection. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you uh, you know I, I I try to learn a little bit about sacred geometry. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, one of my favorite topics. Oh, good. I'm yeah. glad because I still haven't totally grasped what the significant is. Mm-hmm. Now, I, a million years ago when I did the when I did my show uh, uh, I, I used to work at a place called book people that's in downtown Austin mm-hmm. it's one of the last bookstores that I think it's still there last I checked yeah, it's there. It's yes there. it's still there but anyway I worked in the I worked in the fun section because all the metaphysics and religions and and self-help and new age stuff was all on the third floor mm-hmm. and that was the floor that I worked on so I worked with all the fun books but I remember sacred ge- starting to learn right about the time I quit working there starting to learn about sacred geometry and Okay, I, if I can say the name right, Slobodan Milchizedek. Okay, Drunvalo Melchizedek. Yeah, <laughs> Slobodan Milosevic is the former. Uh, Slobodan <laughs> I got <him> confused. <laughs> Slobodan Milosevic is the former dictator. Okay, that's Drunvalo Melchizedek. Right. Yes. Yeah, so he that's is. The one. There's like we got there. a couple of like well-known people in the sacred geometry world. Most of them are mired in controversy because while they have some brilliant things to say, just like Madonna, they've also done some really dumb shit, <laughs> and it all becomes like wrapped up in one. Yeah. But he is one of the more more famous sort of sacred geometry teachers out there. Uh huh. Um, I've done a fair amount of research into sacred geometry, but I think it's something that isn't like, I don't, I don't think it means the same thing to everyone. Just right. like in some ways like spirituality or religion or whatever, right? Is that like, it's, you know, part, part of it is the sort of structure of what it is. And, and it, it has a lot to do with that underlying order of the universe that we talked about in terms of synchronicity, but also the way that people perceive it when they look at it or when they're seeing something that they don't understand is sort of made up of these geometric shape forms and ideas. Okay. Um, So I don't know, like, have you ever like had one of those nights where you're sitting outside, maybe you had a little something (laughs) and you're watching the sky and you start to see the stuff that looks like, well, what is that? Is that a UFO or is that a, what is that? Yeah, sure. So sometimes if you look really closely, they will almost be trailing a trail of geometry sort of behind it. I've right? never noticed that before. And I'll have to look for right? it. And if you go and you look into some of the more like complex geometric shapes, not the obvious, like we all know about like Flower of Life and Vesica Pisces, and these are all important. These all definitely explain a lot of what happens in our in our natural and in our technological world. But if you look into more like dodecahedrons and you know things like that, you can understand the way the physics of things, the way things fold in on each other, the way they expand and contract, and the way they move through or permeate realities. So it's an endless study to understand it. And like I've been looking at it for like more than 15 years, but I still think I've only scratched the surface of it. For me, the way it sort of came into my awareness was at a certain point I began closing my eyes when I was dancing at parties Mm -hmm. and I started seeing all this stuff on the back of my eyelids and I didn't know what it was. So I would like go home and type into the computer some, try to describe what I was seeing. I see. And then these pictures would come up and they were all something that was called sacred geometry or mandalas and things like that. Okay. And that was what sort of got me into it. So it was something that like nobody told me about it. I didn't read a book on it. I was seeing it in my own mind. And so I looked into it. 
Well, that is extremely fascinating. Um, well, I've really enjoyed having you out today, Emily. Um, we are cl- we are coming in closing in the hour here. Um, I'm definitely going to have to have you back because yeah. we we just barely scratched the surface on some of the things that we wanted to talk about. Um, but uh, you can see Emily. Tell us where we can see your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. You can um, all my material is, is well, all my publicly available material is mostly on YouTube. Um, there's a few things that I talk about that are not acceptable on YouTube anymore. So you can find those things on other platforms. But I make little sort of videos letting people know where those would be on YouTube. YouTube on YouTube. So my YouTube channel is Emily Moyer. My older work is available on the Off Planet Media YouTube channel. I have Patreon and locals pages off as well. Off planet. So I go on YouTube. I look up off planet. Off planet is one word. O F F P L A N E T okay. media. Or my current YouTube channel is Emily Moyer. And then I have a Patreon and I have a locals and all those things are connectable on from my YouTube channel. Um, I'm on Facebook at Emily Moyer. And um, I also am here in Austin now and doing a, a monthly that Kathy is a resident at. Yes, we just had our first event. And uh, so uh, what's the date on the next one? The next one is September 3rd. It's, yeah. Here in Austin, Texas. It's the first Friday of every month. Um, and you can find that on my YouTube page. I mean, on my Facebook page or Kathy's Facebook page. And we have residents, Steel Grooves, Kathy and uh, Jeremy Wager, who's Chioda. And each month we have a guest. And then in terms of things that I'm pushing, uh, I've got, uh, uh, I do an event called Ambient Camping. Uh, we play down tempo and chill music and go camping. Uh, our next event is the first weekend in November, November 5th, uh, 5th through the 7th. That one's called Tranquilo. I love the art for that one. It looks really well, thanks. good. Well, thanks. Yeah. I'll, let, I'll let Flippy know that you said that. Um, so that's uh, you can find information on that on ambientcamping.com. Uh, if you want to find me, uh, I am Rev Kathy R. That's K and a Y. Uh, Rev Kathy R on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I have a, a personal page on Facebook as well. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, I've, I've got it. You can Google search me. You can. And the, the, the last thing is I also have a website. It's emilycmoyer.com. You can find links to all my media there. And you can also, I'm a nutrition consultant, and I also do life coaching and what I call storytelling. And um, if you're interested in uh, doing that with me, you can find that information there as well. Right. So if you want to learn more about the concepts that Emily and I were talking about, definitely check out her channel. And um, thanks for joining us today. Anytime, my dear. Love you. And you can check out this podcast. Uh, the goal is anywhere you can hear a podcast. So we're, I'm going for all of them. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I want right. it to be as easy as possible to, to check out my podcast. So uh, anywhere you can check out podcasts, uh, just look up Cyclops Wheelbarrow and you'll find us. I love it. Thanks for joining and uh, we'll see you next month. Bye. All right. So uh, as a fun bonus game, uh, there's an event that's coming up here in Austin called Seismic. And um, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm, uh, But... I, uh, you know, granted, I'm a drum and bass person, so if there's no drum and bass and, and no ambient, Bonobo's playing, so I know that name. But if there's no drum and bass and no ambient, my knowledge runs out. So I looked at the, I looked at the lineup. I don't recognize any of the names, so I thought you and I would play a game that we pull up some of these artists and see what we think. So it's not surprising that you wouldn't know the names, but I, being mostly a techno and house fan, like, well, I know some of these names. Only a few of them have I ever listened to. Um, but 
you know, it's it's an interesting, you know, it says that it's for like house and techno and underground. Um, I don't know how underground most of these acts are. Some of them are good, right? But we can play the game. I think it will be fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. So first one that I'm going to pull up. Uh, let me look up here. Do, do, do. Is somebody called Rinzen. R-I-N-Z-E-N. So I've heard of Rinzen. Like the, some of the, one of the collectives that I go to parties from back in Los Angeles recently had him. But I, 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 if I've heard his music, I'm unaware of it. So Okay, so it's one dude. One dude. Okay, I know that much so far. All right, so uh, I'm going to patch this in for y'all in post. Um, but we're going to listen to this on headphones. But you'll be able to hear. All right, so right now it's just kind of generic electronic music. It sounds like very, like, um, sort of, like, soundscapey, techni- kind of like, you know, tech trancey kind of sound or something like that. Here, I'm just going to cut out my mic move. Okay, share your mic. Okay, this is taking a while to get to its point. Let me fast forward a little bit. I don't hate it. No, I don't hate it either. Like, the group that brought him in Los Angeles has pretty good taste in music. Be good with I don't mind it. For sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? It'd be good with mushrooms. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, that's the, like, there's, like, there's the music that is like, oh, I love this no matter what. And then there's other stuff that's like, yeah, if I was on mushrooms, I'd just be good. And other stuff that's like, there's nothing that could make me like this. Yes, absolutely. This, this is all right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's Rinzen. All right, so we'll remember that one. All right, so then we're going to go to... I have to find the... Oh, I think I got the yeah. Okay, so I'll let you pick the next one. Oh, so the next one... Because I know that it is. Like, let's see. All right, so the next one... Is, I'm going to pick one that I've... Oh, eats everything. I've oh, yes. Eats everything. Eats everything. But I've been accused of eating everything before, so let's we go with We love that one. the name. Let's see if Eats Everything has a web presence. They better... You must have a web presence in this day and age. All right. Eats everything. All right, let's hear it. Here he is live in London. Eats everything, soundscapes, soundscapes. Mm-hmm. All right, let's just check him out. So he's undefected, it looks like. All right. I know that. I've heard of that label before. nice yeah it's like big room sort of tech house kind of stuff yeah he looks like he eats some things he doesn't look like he He does he does he he looks he looks like if he if he does eat everything he does get some cardio in it yeah well he's bouncing up and down that's true that's true yeah okay so we've got a shot of him on three decks right that he may or may not use right Good for the shot, whether oh, yeah. it or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just because they show it doesn't mean they're using it. Okay, I actually don't mind this either. Alright, it's party music. Yeah. Like, this is not like you're gonna have your deep meaningful experience to this, but you're gonna have fun tossing back a few cocktails. Yeah. Yeah. 
Christmas big room, like tech house and house and stuff like that. Yeah. It's part, yeah, party music. It's party it's, music. Yeah, it's, it's not, not something I listen to like in my car or at home or whatever. Now, would you would you mushrooms at this one? Yeah, this is a little too not this so much for me. Vibe. This is a drinking vibe. Yeah, yeah. This is like Thursday night at the club. This isn't like getting busy on the weekend. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Oh, your mom's calling. Mom's <laughs> calling. Yeah, we can check in on mom. All right, so one more. Let's just like one more. randomly pick one more. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Rebuke. You were interested in rebuke. Rebuke because it has a, like an umlaut over it, and, I, and I'm 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 I'm. Uh, well, you're also just like rebuking a lot of things that are going on in the system right now. So yeah. I think it's appropriate for your mood. Yes. Okay. Rebuke. These are um, these are European artists. It looks like. Yeah. Looks like he's gonna have a it lot of European. It looks acts like there. what he did is he just kind of brought over the main European techno house festival like circuit lineup. This is boring. This is. I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I reviewed this. I'm, I'm like. Eh. Yeah, I would no. be bored at this nope. show. Yeah. Not doing yeah. this. Yeah. This is like let's go get something to eat. Yes. Yeah. Let's yeah. Go eat everything. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, those are the three artists. Thanks for doing that. Absolutely. That was fun. Like, maybe you should do that at the end of like each episode. Is just like pick some random musical people. Like do that and just see if like you're right because we're trying to understand the new landscape. Like you and I are old timers, and some things make sense to us now, but other things I'm like I don't understand. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know this is probably going to be a bonus. So, um, what artist are you really excited about right now? In, just in general. Yeah. Who's, who's, who's somebody so, new that, like, so, like, that you're I, really enjoying? So I haven't gone out to too many shows over the course of the last year and a half. I did. The, the last thing that I really went to was like when Green Velvet was here when I first got here. Uh -huh. I was Green Velvet. And again, good, fun music. Not like my super top of things. But I go to a couple events that are coming up. Um, but the, like the best sets that I've listened, like we listened to a really good set at Conspiracy Cocktail. You can get it on, on YouTube. Um, it's by this guy named Sam Paganini. It's from about six weeks ago. And the music is really good, but I also loved, like, he did like, immersive visuals that were incredibly impressive that went, like, along. I, I kind of like the sort of full oh, yeah. experience. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was fun. So when you combine, like, the music and the visuals with that, like, that was a cool experience. Um, what else am I? I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't listen to anywhere near as much music as I used to because I'm so immersed in information. Right. I understand. You know, but um, I like, you know, like I come from Los Angeles that has probably the best underground techno scene in in the United States for sure. And one of the best in the world with their own unique sort of sound that they've generated from that based on the, some of the groups and record labels there. Um, and uh, that's been, that was shut down until really just recently. You know, it wasn't like here in Texas where there were still some events and parties going on over the course of the last year and a half. Yeah. And so I, I haven't been out too much, and I don't listen to too, too much at home anymore, just because I'm I'm always listening to information or editing shows and whatnot. Oh, okay. Um, but I am, well, that's a little bit of a shame. You're such a music lover. Yeah. Well, I, I'm trying to find a little bit more balance, and that was part of part of me coming back here. It was wanting to be a little bit more like in Los Angeles. I just pretty much went to parties. I didn't really get involved in the scene because I just, I don't vibe with the people there in quite the same way, even though I really like some of the music and some of the style of parties better there. 
Um, I wanted to come back here, so better balance of lifestyle. Um, and then also just, you know, I feel like this scene is still approachable and one can still like have an effect here. Whereas in Los Angeles, everything is so big and commercialized and whatnot. And oh. you know, I would like to sort of bring a fresh energy to the underground here, you know, and, and find like a, a balance of like that underground vibe with like really still high quality production and interesting immersive experiences. Like ultimately that's what I'm going for. Cool. Well, we hope that, uh, we hope that we achieve that at the next coming event here, which is September. What day? Third Friday, September 3rd, Friday, September 3rd. Absolutely. We'll see everybody then. All right. Bye. Bye.